Your fever is high and the pressure to log in at work is too. But when you finally decide to take care of you, there's Instacart. Just because that one perfect coworker of yours is attending all meetings, camera on while she's sneezing, coughing, and aching, doesn't mean you have to do the same. Take it from us. Trying to stay on top of things will only get you further behind. Instead, get everything from tissues and teas to cough suppressants and comforting soups delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes. If anyone needs anything, they can just redirect their questions to that one perfect coworker. Worker of yours. I was looking at the wide eyes of Mark Menard and Bobby Abear as I walked into studio uh, right at the last minute there. And Bobby was thinking he was after to go on the air live. You, you guys are getting a little concerned. I was here earlier than I walked out, and you guys are probably, oh, did Seth just leave? Where's he at, Mark? <laughs> That was thought pretty maybe, funny. Thought maybe you went to the bathroom or something. No, no. You never like, know. Sometimes uh, that hits and you and you got to go. Well, that's just true. That that is that has probably happened to everybody, including me, at one time or another. It did not happen to me this time. I was actually finishing up a taped interview with J.P. Kelly, the athletic director for Catholic High in Baton Rouge, who we're going to talk to in hour number three. And that is a huge topic in the state. I know you guys, Mark, real quick here before we let you go. The, LA, the select schools in the LHSAA voted to form their own sub-association inside the LHSAA. It's the Louisiana Select Association. What did uh, JT Curtis, and I think you also, who else did you have on here? JT and, and Frank, Frank Monica. Monica. What would yeah. they say about this? They just said it was something that they felt was necessary, something they needed to do, and they hope that it leads to one day getting everybody back together to play for you know joint championships with public and private. They, they both said they think it's ridiculous that we've crowned nine champions in this state with, where, where there's only you know a, a, a small amount of people compared to the rest of the country, and uh, and you know that's that's all that's about what but long and short of it is what they had to say is that they hope it eventually leads to reuniting everybody and he thinks maybe it could move in that direction but for right now this is this is the way they're going this is the way they go all right mark get on out of here mark staying a few extra minutes and yeah we will hear from jp kelly the ad for catholic high in the 10 o'clock hour that's when we'll talk about this issue also alan waddell will join us right after that to get his take alan waddell the co-host of the All-State Sugar Bowl Prep Football Roundup with myself and Lou Valden in the fall. In fact, we're only a month and a week away from our first All-State Sugar Bowl Prep Football Roundup on Friday nights. It's it's pretty good. Seth Dunlap and Logan Falgo with you here until 11 o'clock. Lots of Saints training camp to get to, and we're going to play you an excessive amount of Saints training camp sound tonight by popular demand. I got a few tweets and texts last night going, man, we, we want to hear just a little bit more sound from out at camp and you know what i'm going to uh, defer to you today we don't always do this got a lot of topics and want to get phone calls and text in but we will play a lot of sound from today including some good stuff from caden ellis i think we're going to replay uh, deuce and christian had a conversation with the rookie linebacker and son of luther ellis who was a defensive lineman played at the same time bobby Bear played and into i believe uh, late 90s early 2000s We'll hear from him. We got Ryan Ramchek, also Sean Payton out at camp, and uh, a lot more to talk about. Phone lines are open for you this entire first half hour. 504-260-1870 on our text line is 870-870. After that, Steve Court comes on 835. And then we'll get to LSU and what Scott Woodward said to Tiger Rag. And well, to Tiger uh, Tyler Nunez of Tiger Rag. That was the Tiger Rag writer who spoke to scott woodward and what he said yesterday that not sustainable lsu athletics sending money to the academic side and it was a conversation we had a lot yesterday we'll have that more in our number two our blue runner gumbo opinion poll kind of piggybacking on that should lsu athletics share profits on the academic side just a blanket statement there don't read anything into that 
a blanket statement should LSU Athletics share their profits when they make them with the academic side? A simple yes or no. I am curious to know what our audience as a whole thinks. Cast your vote at WWL.com and the radio.com app. I want to lead with just a little Drew Brees talk at the start. Just a little Drew Brees talk, and I believe Bobby Hebert said this during his show a couple of times, what we saw from Drew today. And I am not ringing any alarm bells. I'm not sounding the doom and gloom alarms. I'm just telling you what we saw. And what Bobby told you is true. We saw Drew Brees multiple times underthrow open receivers downfield. Now, there was pressure in Drew Brees' face a couple of times since any quarterback that happens. You're going to get underthrown balls a lot of times if you're getting pushed back in that pocket. But there was one play towards the end of practice, right at 11-on-11s, when he had uh, – it was either Simi Cobbs – it might have been Traquan Smith. I forget the receiver who was on the outside, actually. But he had him open. And, in fact, as soon as Drew Brees released the football, I said, he's got him. That's going to be a touchdown. Would have been about a 65-70-yard you know, touchdown. But it was underthrown by probably a good 10 yards or so. And it was batted down, but, frankly, should have been intercepted. Now, again, not too concerned about this at this time at camp. Drew Brees really frustrated with himself after that play. Matter of fact, Drew was as frustrated as I've seen him uh, when I was out there. There were multiple times when he was kind of cursing at himself after some missed throws. Had another missed throw out in the flat to Alvin Kamara where he threw it behind Alvin Kamara who was looking to turn up field on the right side towards the end of practice. Again, not sounding the alarms. What I am doing is just look reporting what we see at camp because that's what you want to hear. And all the talk at the end of last season, most of it coming from outside of New Orleans and, and nationally saying, well, Drew Brees starting to look his age a little bit. Not throwing the deep ball well enough. In fact, the passing game just in general suffering towards the end of the season. I'm not somebody who thinks that Drew Brees is going to have a Peyton Manning-esque decline and is going to turn into what Peyton was during his final season and a half, which was basically a game manager and a guy who couldn't throw it more than about 20 yards downfield. I don't think that's the case. I haven't seen that yet. Eventually, that's going to happen. The aging process gets it all. It gets us all. But she doesn't have the arm strength we used to see from him, and Drew's going to have to adjust. If that, if that wasn't an offensive line problem and was just a, hey, he underthrew it problem, then Drew, and I believe he's smart enough to do this, is going to have to adjust some things within that offense and within those routes. Because if you're not hitting an open receiver 50 yards plus downfield in this league – well, the defense then is going to be able to clamp down on the intermediate and short stuff, which is going to make things very difficult on the Saints' offense. We'll see how this progresses through camp. We'll certainly see how his arm looks in preseason, although a lot of times in preseason you're not seeing Drew huck the ball downfield. In fact, I don't really remember the last time we saw that in a preseason game with Drew off the top of my head. Something to watch, however. I am curious from you. Everybody listen. Is this something that concerns you? I told you I'm not really concerned, but – Maybe you are. You're concerned about Drew Brees, his arm strength. Maybe a possible decline here as he's hit 40 on the opposite side of 40. 504-260-1870. Our text line is 870-870. Here's a text from the 504. Dude, he's 40-plus years old. He's got a lot of miles on that arm. His skills are significantly diminished, period. See, I disagree with that text as a whole. 
I just I agree with the first part. Forty plus years old, a lot of miles on that arm. Do you think last year Drew Brees' skills were significantly diminished? Because I don't. What I saw was maybe the most efficient on a per pass basis year of Drew Brees' career. Was in the MVP race. Was going to win that quarterback rating battle with Patrick Mahomes. And, of course, set the accuracy record again. And I don't know if his skills are significantly diminished. I'm not, I'm not willing to go there yet. But I think I'm objective enough when I do see it happening. I'll, I'll tell you here on the air. I haven't seen that yet, but it's something to watch at camp. Text from the 504, Patrick Mahomes underthrew a receiver today, so should the Chiefs be worried? I mean, that's, that's apples to oranges here. Are you really comparing Drew Brees' arm to Patrick Mahomes? Because Drew Brees is not going to look good in that comparison just not I think that's just hyperbole under throwing but this was multiple throws this wasn't one throw from Drew it was multiple throws I'm just telling you what I see don't classify me as a Drew hater or sky you know chicken little sky is falling guy let's go to those phone lines Ron in New Orleans kicking us off today on the phone lines Ron what's up hey thank you for taking my call how you doing today sir I'm good Ron awesome I right, two questions one do you think uh, if if the Saints win the Super Bowl, do you think Drew Brees will retire if they if they win it? That's first question. Uh, I will say it depends, Ron, on how he performs. If he's an MVP candidate again, he still feels like he's playing near the top of his game. No, I think he'll come back and do what John Elway did and try to win a couple of Super Bowls on his way out. All right. Second question: Who do you think stood out today at camp? Well, just full disclosure here, I wasn't out there until 11-on-11 drill, so I was out there for about okay. the last last hour and a half uh, of camp. But the defenders did. Von Bell was really good today. By the way, Von Bell was also up at the podium. We're going to hear from Von Bell today. But the defenders, again, the pass rush was there on both sides. I didn't really see Marcus Davenport flash too much. I saw Cam Jordan one time. Um, uh, was it Cam Jordan or maybe it was uh, Trey Hendrickson? I forget, whoever's on the right side. But the pass rush impressed me and the defensive secondary impressed me. Also, if you missed it earlier, Ron and everybody, you're wondering about Emmanuel Butler, the wide receiver. Well, he hobbled off with assistance about midway through practice today. Don't quite know too much about that. The Saints aren't going to let us know about that. That's just standard under Sean Payton since he's been here. In fact, all the media who knew they were not going to get an update on Emmanuel Butler, they didn't even bother asking Sean that in the post-game presser, uh, post-practice presser because he just wouldn't have answered it. So watch that. That is going to be a bummer uh, if it's something that's going to keep him out for a while because Emmanuel Butler had, in my mind, and I know this is a little hyperbolic, I'm not prone to hyperbole or uh, getting on the hype train for any of these guys this early in camp. But I will say Emmanuel Butler had been so good, he was. I think he was leading the race even in front of guys like Keith Kirkwood and Austin Carr to get a roster spot behind the three guys who you know are going to be on this roster, Ted Ginn, Traquan Smith, and Michael Thomas. Let's keep an eye on that. That was a little bit of a bummer. Here's a text from the 985 at 87870. Well, let's just think these receivers are just faster than the past. Yeah, and, and here's the thing, and that's a great point. This is why I'm not doom and gloom, is because we saw multiple times in this camp Drew Brees find Cyril Grayson behind the defense, behind Eli Apple, I think behind Von Bell one time, multiple big plays down the field. But when you get this age, I'm sorry, it's fair game. I mean, it's fair game. Drew can be criticized just like anybody else. 
he'd be the first to tell you he missed those throws. In fact, he was telling himself that on the field. Again, our Blue Runner Gumbo opinion poll will talk about this hour number two. Should LSU Athletics share profits with the academic side? We're going to take a break. When we come back, more of your phone calls. Steve Court coming up bottom of the hour, but 504-260-1870. Our text line is 870-870. If you missed Bobby and Deuce's post-practice analysis, you can find it right now on the WWL Radio Facebook page and online at WWL.com. Christian Garrick wrote up the resident pro takeaways. Seth Dunlap, Logan Falgu, back after this on the last lap. So text from the 504. How has Latavius Murray looked so far? Hadn't heard or seen anything about him. He's looked fine. I, I, I was talking to Deuce about this on Sunday. Latavius Murray, to me, he's taller than I thought he was, but he's not as bulky as I thought Latavius Murray would be for a guy who is known for his between-the-tackles running skills. I mean, he's not as you know stout as a Mark Ingram was, but when, when you stretch your frame out a few inches to six foot three, I guess that's going to happen. You, I don't think you're going to have anything to worry about with Latavius Murray. They're going to have something to worry about behind Latavius Murray. That's why they're actively trying to bring in a third running back. Theo Riddick's still in the mix. He says he'll make his decision tomorrow. Those are the reports anyways. It's down to Denver, according to those reports and the Saints, and I've said theoretic, this is what he's going through, I know it. He knows he can get more touches in Denver if he's one of the two featured backs for the Broncos. And when you're this young and you got a chance to get another contract, make a little more money, that's something you got to factor in. It's going to look better on that resume when you ask for a new contract. He's got to weigh that with coming here, possibly winning a championship and getting in a system, and a coach, Sean Payton, who may use his skills a little bit better. That's what he's weighing is he makes this decision. So theoretic's a possibility. We know Alfred Morris is not. He has officially signed with the Cowboys. It doesn't feel like Dwayne Washington or Davino Zigbo standing out in a way that would make Sean Payton, Pete Carmichael and company uh, comfortable with that running back depth. Text from the 225, Seth, I saw Breeze age kicking in two seasons ago. I believe Peyton can adjust the O to compensate for. Well, you, you did a little bit. I mean, you're going to see a different Drew Brees now. There's no doubt about it than he did even five seasons ago, four or five seasons ago. That's why Sean Payton, being the, the bright offensive mind that he is, has built this roster and this offense more around the running game than he ever had in the past. Drew Brees threw less passes last year than he ever has during his Saints career. There's a reason for that. Not only do you have Alvin Kamara, that's part of it. If you didn't have talent in the backfield, you're going to huck it around there, try to win football games. Now they do have talent, and they got an offensive line from left to right all, and I guess we're projecting here with Eric McCoy a little bit, but the four guys anyways who are back all can mash and run block. Yeah, it makes it, it, makes it easy. Don't want to run the football a lot more. So you're right. Peyton can adjust, will adjust, and has adjusted the offense to compensate for it. To compensate for it. Uh, here's the text from the uh, 504. Can you repeat the news story about high school sports and JT Curtis? We're going to get to this in the 10 o'clock hour, but the select schools or the private high schools in Louisiana, they have voted to create their own subgroup in the LHSAA. It's called the Louisiana Select Association. They still have to abide by the LHSAA uh, rules and regulations and bylaws. But this, from my understanding, now talking to multiple people about this, including J.P. Kelly, who's going to join us in the 10 o'clock hour, this is more about the state championship events this year and trying to make sure that the events just aren't at some high school somewhere and they're in some 
facility that kind of, frankly, warrants a championship-level event, whether that's Yeoman Stadium at Tulane, whether that's up at uh, Southeastern, at Strawberry Stadium, wherever it is. Maybe over at the Cajun Dome, who knows? Here's a text from the 504, not trying to boast, but I have very good arm strength and I'm 50 years old. Well, that sounds like a boast, but that's fine. you got a good arm strength. Boast about it. I can still make big throws, but will regret it later. Won't be able to make those throws day after day. Less of Drew is more all season, so he is fresh come December and January. Yeah, it's, it's kind of like a pitcher. I'm surprised there hasn't been more talked about this with how much these guys, even going all the way back to high school, are throwing kind of the old pitch count with your arm. If you're out there throwing 40, 50 times every day in practice, and then you're throwing 40, 50, 60 times in games, that's going to take a toll on your arm. I, I frankly am surprised that this isn't more of a discussion about how you limit that. Now, we see guys now who are in these spread offenses in college coming to the pros, and they lack the arm strength. And one of the reasons why a lot of the scouts think is, well, the mileage on those arms. I think it'll be a conversation that'll come more into the forefront as you know the passing offenses, the spread offenses continue to matriculate their way to the NFL. Let's go back to the phone lines at 504-260-1870. Anthony, in, uh, is that in Atlanta? Anthony, welcome to the show. Forgive me. I need to. I thought about a question as you were speaking. How did y'all play Georgia last year? Y'all beat them pretty bad, didn't you? Uh, well, I. You're talking about LSU. Uh, yes, the LSU did. Yeah. And it was uh, at home. At, yes, at, it was. Yes, it was. Because over here we don't know nothing. We, you know, y'all are our neighbor here at UT. Follow the Longhorns. We don't know anything about y'all. Uh, looking forward to the game. It's the <laughs> second game, and we're kind of wondering what the hell's up with Bradshaw running his mouth. Well, but uh, well, you think you think Texas is going to beat LSU uh, in that second well, weekend? We know we, you know, I didn't hear what. Well, I think they're going to win. It'll be a close win, but we don't know how. We compare y'all to Georgia. Is that? And I would like to know who y'all compare us to because we know nothing about you, even though we're. Were, well, that uh, can't be right. Are, are you, are, see, now I can't tell if you're being honest or not. Is this tongue-in-cheek? You really don't know much about LSU football? No, we don't. Well, I wouldn't we – I, here's, I, I wouldn't <laughs> – Come on. Okay, now, now I know you're joshing with me. Now I know you're joshing with me, Anthony. Uh, here's what – to answer your question and try to be fair, I actually wouldn't compare LSU to Georgia. I wouldn't. Georgia, much more capable offensively the last few seasons – if I'm going to make a comparison, and LSU, uh, plug your ears, because you're not going to like this one, uh, it's probably closer to Florida than Georgia the last few seasons. A, a team with a very good defense, but a limited offense. Now, there's lots of hope with Joe Brady here, with Steve Bensminger, and Joe Burrow another year in this offense. Better offensive line, a John Emery in the backfield, one of the most highly touted running backs in the country that this offense finally will enter the modern age. But I've said it all along, Anthony, and everybody out there, I think that game against Texas is a, is a true, true toss-up. If that game was in Louisiana in Death Valley, I'd have LSU favored probably by a six points or so. But this is, yes, it's a neutral site game, but let's be honest, there's going to be more Texas Longhorn supporters, you would think, in the crowd than there would be LSU fans. Thanks for the call, Anthony. Let's go to Mark in Minneapolis. Mark, welcome to the show. Hey, Seth, how are you? Hey, you do a great job, by the way. Appreciate it. Uh, so, yeah, I want to talk about the Drew Brees stuff, too. Because, you All know, right. 
we all lo- we all love Drew Brees without a doubt. You know, God help us when he retires. But you know, as Bobby likes to say, you know, this is an opinion. This is fact. Last year, his QB rating in those first eleven games was a hundred and twenty plus percent every game. After the Atlanta game, it dropped into the 80s, except for the Pittsburgh game. And after the Atlanta game, he threw an intercept in every game. Something changed. And could it have been the offensive line? Yeah, maybe. But there's no doubt that after the Atlanta game, Drew Brees was not the same, and he wasn't the same in the playoffs. And I'm not saying he should pack it. I'm not saying any of that stuff. All I'm saying is that I think the reality really is staring us in the face, and it's very, very difficult to deal with. Now, the question is, does Sean Payton try and uh, make I got to go, Mark, because we're up against a very hard break. But here's also a fact. Here would be my little clap back would be here's also a fact. Drew Brees was the highest rated quarterback in the NFL last year on passes 20 plus yards downfield. Just finishing our conversation and answering Mark's question and comments about Drew Brees downfield and his late season decline. Well, Drew Brees, this is according to Pro Football Focus, was the fifth most accurate, as far as accuracy goes, passer on throws 20-plus yards downfield at 48.9%. Derek Carr was first, Matt Ryan, Baker Mayfield, Patrick Mahomes with Brees inside the top five. On passes 10 to 19 yards, Drew Brees well in front of the pack, 65.1%. He was second as far as accuracy in the zero to nine yard range. I'm not discounting the late season decline. There are, I think, are many reasons for that. The health of the offensive line, the lack of options at receiver and teams and defensive coordinators starting to figure that out a little bit. But I, even though I opened the show talking about Drew Brees' arm strength, which I think is fair game, when you see multiple throws that are underthrown downfield, the reason I said I'm not worried about it, I'm not the chicken little sky is falling, is because, well, the proof's in the pudding last year. I mean, when, when you're the highest-rated quarterback in the NFL on throws 20-plus yards downfield, that's also – that's just a fact. That's a stat. Now, it didn't have the volume there. I think he threw less at that range than any other quarterback in the league, according to next-gen stats from the NFL. But still, there's two sides to every coin, right? Let's go to Bill in Slide L. Bill, welcome to the show. Hey, how you doing this evening? I'm good. Hey, we're, we're going to we have a little fun tonight. You know, they tell everybody talk about Drew declining with the, um, um, the arm strength and all that. Uh, that's all right. We, we were auditioning a new quarterback in Canada the last few days anyway, weren't we? My main comment is going to be about the defensive line. Okay. So my question is, so the fun they were having with Zion, with the basketball and the football and all this sure. other stuff on Camara. I don't recall them doing the stuff like that with AD and everything in the past. I may be wrong, but I don't know. But they were having fun, and it was hilarious to see. But my main comment is the defensive line, um, with um, you know, with Anyamata being out the one game and uh, Sheldon going to be out pretty much most of the season. I, I think we are going to struggle a little bit, but because of the fact that we've been better the last few years and we're going to be good this year in the secondary, very good, the linebackers, 
I, I, I think I think we'll be all right and everything. So I'll hang up and listen to your comments on that. But I, I just wanted to have fun with the Zion bit. That was hilarious. <laughs> no, it was. <laughs> yeah, I saw that throw too, Bill. I say just to answer your Zion question really quick. I think if Anthony Davis had been drafted when Gail Benson owned this team and David Griffin and Trajan Langdon and Swin Cash and everybody was and Aaron Nelson, the trainer, were all here, I think you'd have seen a different career arc, and they would have promoted him a lot more. But it didn't happen. It didn't happen. Although Anthony Davis now trying to go on this, I guess, public relations repair tour this summer, and I think it's got most people here in the city doing what I just did, chuckling a little bit. And defensive line, well, we'll see. It's my biggest concern on this team, even bigger than wide receiver depth or running back depth. I'll tell you, if Marcus Davenport doesn't have that 8-10-plus to 10 plus sack season, I've said it before, I don't think this is a Super Bowl team. That may seem like a lot of pressure on a second-year guy, but I just I, I look and I go, where is the pass rush going to come from if, if teams can slide their protection Cam Jordan's way? That's why Davenport has to be what everybody inside that organization and most people here in the media have told me the last two years, a star in the making. We'll see. Let's ask uh, my buddy about it, Steve Court, former Saints offensive lineman and uh, my co-host on Fans First Take on Saints Game Day. Steve, oh, what's going on, man? Good evening, Seth. How you doing, buddy? Look, look, I am good. And you know how it goes first week of camp. You're kind of getting into the swing of things, even though you're just covering it, right? So it's uh, we're all a little worn out. Yeah. Yes, we're all a little worried. Well, yeah, I mean, that's a uh, <laughs> first four or five days of that. Uh, if you get over that, you're, uh, you're in good shape. It's downhill and shady. <laughs> yeah, yeah. How, how, how much would you love not to have those two days and do what these guys are doing, right? These guys are soft. That's what you're going to tell me, right? These guys, these guys are soft now. No, I'm not that guy. I'm not that, <laughs> sort of, you know, get off my grass, you know, kind of guy. But but I, I will tell you that I think that um, I would have loved to hear that. I heard that. Drew said something the other day that shocked me. He said they have what they call it a vet's day off now. And I said, a what? Yeah. He said a vet's day off. I said, what is that and how do you get it? You know, <laughs> I think it was, he said, it's a new term thing. And he laughed and, and I said that if I would have heard that, I would have done some kind of a break dance or a cheetah flip or something, you know, if, uh, if I, I've got a vet's day off. If that was sort of something that was sort of mandatory that, uh, veteran players had to do what, what's uh, a cheetah so flip that, that's a new term don't you remember do you remember uh, the old tarzan uh, show yeah yeah oh okay so with the little yeah. flip there okay all right all right yeah and uh, you remember uh cheetah right it was, it was yeah. chimpanzee right yep 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 well and cheetahs do a little flip when he <laughs> so yeah that, that's a cheetah flip <laughs> i would have paid money to see you do a cheetah flip steve i would have yeah that's uh it's probably out of the question but um I probably would have been so happy. I probably could have pulled it off. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's like let's talk about the defensive line. You, you heard the question there. Um, is this an area where you've seen enough where you're comfortable? Are you concerned? Is it to be determined? What do you think? A little bit of both. I mean, uh, I think you always have to, um, you know, Rankins is really starting to come into his own, really becoming a good player, and everybody's sort of an elite guy in the interior, and then. You know, uh, he obviously got that injury, and you don't know how he's going to come back. And and uh, and if he does, and and you know, begins to take off, it's still going to take him a while to get back into that kind of you know fighting condition before he's able to to sort of uh, replicate some of the play that he you know that we've seen him and, and what he's capable of. But you know, look, Malcolm Brown, I thought that was maybe the best acquisition that we've had this year other than Jared Cook, that it, uh, to me is going to make the biggest difference. Uh, I've watched him over the years, you know, when he was Patriots, 
Uh, a guy gets great pressure, you know, from the interior. So, look, to me, the pass rush is all about that crush in that pocket. I and mean, you can talk about the guys on the end that get the sacks. But the guys up the middle that crush that pocket and, and sort of get that to spill out on either side uh, of that pocket. Um, and that's where, you know, your Cam Jordans come in and then Davenport and guys like that. And if they step up, obviously meaning Davenport, um, and they play to the level we think we can play at or think that he's going to be, I guess, developing into that kind of player. Um, I expect big things out of that. Is is Davenport as important as I kind of made him out to be there? Where I just – if he's not a full go this entire season and develops into the guy that everybody thinks he can be, that this team might struggle defensively. Well, it's certainly going to, uh, you know, those guys aren't aren't incumbent upon um, doing it all by themselves. And, and and the defensive front, there's more rotation that goes on there than any other place on the football field. So there's a number of guys that we can get in there, and they, we just have to make sure that we find a good combination. I know there's some guys uh, that are, that have sort of come up in that area, Beagle, and, and, and uh, I can't think of the other guy's name off the top of my head, but um, these guys are sort of are guys that, that you can spot play and you never can tell, again, uh, you know, what the ramifications are going to be from the interior. Because if the interior does their job, and that means David Onyemata, and that means, you know, Malcolm Brown, and that means... Um, yeah, Stallworth. Uh, I think Stallworth, Stallworth is there. And, yeah. You know, yeah, those guys. I, I think those guys, when they do that, a good job of crushing that pocket, um that in and of itself is going to make or break our pass rush. I think the better better teams that you'll notice uh, have that ability to sort of stuff up that middle and, and jam that that pocket from the inside out. And when they do that, um, I think your your teams uh, it pays off in sacks and certainly uh, pressures. We're talking to Steve Court, former yeah. Saints offensive lineman, on Twitter at Saints sixty. The defense have been winning all these practices, and I think pretty handily winning all these practices. That does that really get under an offense's skin? And when they come back from this one day off, they're going to be extra amped well, up to try can, to get out you there. Can, you can you can reach the sure that, that not only does it get under your skin, but but the coaches use that as a motivational factor. Because you know, when they watch it on film and they and they use that and they just um, it, it goes on and on and on. You think when is this when is this film going to stop? <laughs> you know, this is like um, okay, they had a good day against us, and, and what are we going to do to get rid of it and, and rectify it? Well, the only thing you can do, and that's come back to next practice. So you'll see that the next padded practice on Thursday, I'm assuming, um, will be one that will be a little spirited. And I'm imagining it'll be because um, the offensive line is pretty sick and tired of hearing how, you know, they got their butt handed to them, you know, <laughs> on Tuesday. So, um, but that that that's good because that's the way people get better. Um, at the same time, that's when you start to see some of the younger players um, kind of show their colors. Are, they, are these guys going to be able to, uh, you know, sort of, you know, answer when that when it comes at that time. So it, it should be it should be it should be a spirited deal. And I think that yeah, you're really sick and tired of hearing about it. But like I said, at the same time, look, this time of the year is no um, defense should be ahead of the offense. Um, it's just by nature they're always a little bit uh, more advanced uh, at this time of the year because it takes more timing and more. Um, you know, the, the, the plays and things offensively have to come together culmination-wise 
of 11 pieces coming together, whereas a lot of times defensively, um, you know, you can have a guy that can make a play and the other guys, you know, are not particularly doing good that play, but you have one guy that makes a play and, and the defense looks good. So, yeah, we've referenced we've referenced offensive line here. I, I'm so curious to watch this, I guess, camp battle play out, Steve, because there's so many interior offensive linemen fighting for jobs. Are you concerned about at all the depth on the outside, the tackle spots? Because I guess there's Michael Ola, but it's not like Marshall Newhouse or Cameron Tom or um, or Nick Easton are going to be swinging outside a lot. So they have all these guys on the interior that can rotate multiple spots, but really maybe Ola, and that's about it on the outside. Yeah, it's, it seems to me that like that has always become, uh, in the last several couple of years anyway, that sort of have been our, um, I don't want to say our weakness, but I, I want to say maybe our uh, 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 least area of, of depth, of quality depth. And so, yeah, Michael Ola would be the guy that would, I think at this juncture would, would, would swing into that. But um, there's going to be have to, have to be another tackle or so that, that we feel comfortable with. Um, you know, going into this, and it'll it'll matriculate itself through these next four games as to who that's going to be. But um, you know, obviously Ryan Ramchek and 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 over at the right side is as solid as it could be, and then Tehran is as solid as it can be. But it's also as solid, only as solid as as the um, as his you know as his physical condition will allow. You know, from the standpoint of injury. So, um, you know, he hasn't he hasn't been able to sort of really play a full season yet. We really don't know, and I understand just from today that he's gotten a little bit banged up already. So, yep. that is a, a, that's a concern. It always is a concern. So, that, <laughs> until I see more, um, I guess, consistency in that, in, that, in that part, I'm always – so I got my fingers crossed each and every week. Yeah, I know. I'm with you. And this is why I, you're the perfect person to ask this. Like You're kind of making these cuts, and, and you know the Saints will take eight max guys on the 53 offensive lineman. If we think that Eric McCoy and Nick Easton and probably Cameron Tom are all on this roster, that means maybe one other spot. I mean, just by default, I guess that's Ola. That means, like, Will Claps probably getting picked up on waivers somewhere. I mean, I don't know. How, do how, do, how would you make these cuts yeah, down, Steve? I <laughs> – Again, I don't. It's gonna. It, 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 tell me. I'll tell you this right now for sure. I know this for a fact that the iteration that you see right now with this offensive line um, will be different from what we see week one. <laughs> and you know, all, all I'm talking about not all eight now, not the starting five. I'm talking about all eight. Sure. And I'm assuming that the starting five are going to be the starting five that we assume they're going to be the starting five of, of what we expect, but. That those next three guys that are going to provide our depth throughout the season, um, be, at least at this juncture, is a pretty fluid, a pretty fluid situation. Uh, finally, Steve, before we let you go, at the top of the show, and I know Sports Talk Bobby Aber talked about this a lot. We're just pointing it out. I'm not the doom and gloom guy at all with this, but Drew mm-hmm. Brees multiple times today under through receivers. I mean, he was upset at himself. I think it happened uh, two, three times uh, at practice when he had guys that you know would have been scoring 60 plus yard touchdowns because they got by the defense. He underthrew him every time. Uh, any concern from you about Drew's you know the arm strength, the decline that's going to happen to everybody? You know, once you get past 40. Yes and and no and and and, the, and I don't mean to be evasive here, but I think the, the, the way you have to look at that is twofold. Uh, first of all, okay, the offensive line is 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 getting their butt handed to them that day, 
Okay, so there's 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 pressure that even though it's not, um, you know, this huge uh, jailbreak type pressure, there's enough pressure to take him off his timing. And at this juncture, um, as good as Drew is, uh, he needs practice on timing too. He's throwing in new guys. He's throwing new routes to new guys. And so there's different things that um, that come into play here. So things are not in sync yet. And, and until that, until they kind of get that thing cleared up up front, that first and foremost, he's got to be clean. You know, he can't be throwing from, you know, uh, you know, tiptoeing and looking over top of people and kind of having to move from side to side and scramble all around and do those types of things. We got to be able to get him, you know, to where he's clean and, and he has a good um, a vision and a good sight of where, where he's going and what he knows is, is good, where his receivers are going to be. And I think that, he knows that, but at the same time, um, you know, when you get that pressure that comes up the middle and and, and guys are going to be quick, um, that lends itself to some problems, and it makes all kind of quarterbacks look pretty pedestrian. I don't, I don't think it's a problem at this juncture. I just think it's still too early in camp, uh, and I'm sure they'll get it rectified. Steve Court and I, uh, well, we got, what, a week and, and three days, Steve, next Friday, you and I yeah. on the air at 3 o'clock, and we are. We actually do kick off our, our season coverage on game day because we're the first show, 3 o'clock fan first take, man. Yeah, that's it. That's it. We're uh, 10 days from now. We're, we're live. Yeah, I can't wait. We'll see you then, man. Right on. I'll see you then, buddy. All right, Steve Court, there he goes, former Saints offensive lineman, and, yeah, him and I on fans first take next friday at three o'clock our pregame coverage starts vikings at the saints in the superdome first preseason game you got a question or comment on saints practice or anything around the saints drew Brees? give us a call 504-260-1870 and that text line 870-870 i'm seth dunlap the last lap rolls on WWL. Welcome back to the show. Today's Saints training camp interviews and prime cuts are brought to you by the sound banking of First American Bank, a banking tradition since 1910. Here is Saints head coach Sean Payton after practice today talking about um, the uh, really the defense dominating again. Drew Brees, lots more. Here's Sean. Saints coach Sean Payton pausing for a plane. <laughs> that was Saints head coach Sean Payton, again brought to you by the first uh, the sound banking of First American Bank, pardon me, a banking tradition since 1910, back in a flash on the last lap. Hour one's in the book on the last lap. Next hour, we will talk more Saints. We will hear from Caden Ellis, Deuce McAllister, Christian Garrick had a chance to sit down with him. Also, Von Bell was up at the podium, Ryan Ramchek, lots of Saints sound to come up. Our Blue Runner Gumbo opinion poll, and we'll talk about this in hour number two. Should LSU Athletics share profits with the academic side? Tyler Nunez of Tiger Rag, who interviewed Scott Woodward for that piece that got a lot of play on Monday. He joins the program at 9.32. Right now we're going live on Facebook. Let's talk a little Drew Brees, WWL Radio Facebook page. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. 